All right, welcome back to the big program. Just after 9 o'clock in Edmonton. Uh, Going to get really chilly over the next uh, three days or so. Oh, boy, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, cold. Uh, uh, high today of about, what, I don't know, minus 14, 15, and then uh, even chillier as we move forward. Uh, let's welcome in Grant Fuhrer, our uh, co-host on Tuesdays from Palm Desert. A little nicer down there, Grant, I would assume. Uh, nice to have you back after a couple of weeks off. And uh, first of all, how how were the uh, winter holidays, the uh, Christmas holidays, and uh, what did you get up to? Uh, you know what? Everything's good. I mean, I have my oldest daughter come down. My wife's daughter and family came over, so we had a really nice, relaxing Christmas. And also, you were at the Winter Classic in Seattle. What was that experience like? Uh, you've done, been a, to a lot of these as well. You were here for the Heritage Classic too, so that's two for two for you so far with the outdoor games. But what was Seattle like? Uh, you know what? The NHL does a phenomenal job of things. I think that's my sixth or seventh one now. <laughs> so... Uh, Every time you go, they get better and better, and I think that's the fun of it all. What was the atmosphere like in Seattle compared to when you were in Edmonton in October for that Calgary Oilers game? I think Seattle does a fabulous job. I mean, you look at a new team, first time outdoors, so the atmosphere is always really good. I think that's the big thing. Mm-hmm. Is Every time you go to an outdoor game, if it's the first time in that city, the fans really get involved in it and are thrilled by it. How would you say the fans kind of embraced uh, the game and the weekend? Well, I think they embrace everything about it. I think that's the big thing is you've got all the different events that go around it. And every NHL city does a great job of embracing that. I think that's the big thing. You go to Edmonton, you look at the way back, oh, what are we, 20 some years ago now? Yeah. How Edmonton embraced the first one and it was a little fresh. But, uh, no, they, they've done a great job of that, and it's fun to see all the different cities support it. How would you say, Grant, that Seattle is handling, and it's been a few years now since they came into the league with expansion, way different than, than Vegas because Vegas comes in and they've got really no competition. You know, and there's no NFL at the time, and, you know, there's no NBA, and, you know, but Seattle comes in and, you know, the, you know, you got the Seahawks, Washington Huskies. I mean, holy smokes, they, they played that night too. So how would you say that the city and the state of Washington is kind of handling and progressing moving forward with their team? Well, I think they've embraced the team right from the get-go. I mean, yeah, it's it's a busy market. I mean, you've got the music scene there. You've got the Seahawks. You've got University of Washington, who had a phenomenal year. So they have their marketing team has to be on top of everything. And you've got to drive people to the rink. And they've done a great job of that. And the ownership's done a great job of putting a decent product on the ice as well. Grant Fuhrer with us, our co-host on Tuesdays from 9 to 11 on Sports 1440. You've been pumping his tires and beating his drum all year. Joy Decord has a phenomenal game. What did you see of that game, the shutout uh, on uh, New Year's Day? Joey looks the same as he has since he was here. I mean, he just exudes confidence. I think that's the biggest thing. And the guys love playing for him. And as a goalie, that's what you want. You want confidence. You want to carry yourself like you're a winner and Joey does a great job of that. Do you think Grant that he has the ability to take it to you know whatever a top level you know a top notch NHL goalie? Yeah, I think he's got the skills for it and he's got the perfect mindset for it. So, I mean you're going you're going to see him get better and better. I mean right now he's riding a hot streak and everybody knows that you're going to have hot streaks, you're going to have some 
valleys along the way as well. But Joey's got the perfect attitude. Even when there's a valley, he's still a positive guy. What do you think he's got to work on here moving forward? The biggest thing is consistency. I mean, yeah, it's easy to have a good one year, but you've got to be able to extend it over years. So the hardest part for a young goalie is to be consistent and try and just keep building every year. You've got to add something to your game every year and just get better, trying to get a little bit better each year out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think when he played here, a lot of people were really, like when, when Seattle played the Oilers here, I was talking to actually Jeff Baker, who has been on the show several times. I'm sure you know uh, his coverage of the Kraken. A lot of people were watching his puck handling skills, and that was kind of one of the key areas that a lot of people were um, maybe curious to see how he has uh, come on in that sense. Uh, where do you see those attributes with Joey Decord Moving the puck, uh, handling the puck. Uh, what does he need to work on with that? Uh, Joey's one of the best at handling the puck that I've seen. Okay. And he's not afraid to do it. That's the other thing. Is He's got a ton of confidence when it comes to handling the puck. And I, I think when it, the biggest issue he's going to have is making some decisions. Yeah. I mean, he gave up a shutout, oh, what, two weeks ago with one of those little puck handling miscues in a game that he was phenomenal. So it's about choices, timing, that sort of thing. And as he gets more comfortable with it, you'll see him handle the puck more and more. And he make for the 95% of the time, he makes good choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the defense right now in Seattle? Seems to kind of be tightening it up a little bit. And a lot of those guys have come up, you know, you've seen them play over the years, uh, you know, in the last couple of years with Coachella Valley, the farm team. Uh, what have you made of Seattle's defense so far? They're getting better and better. It's a good puck-moving defense. And you get an anchor like Adam Larson there, who's just a good stay-at-home defenseman. We just lost Breaker Evans. He just went up there a couple of days ago. So he's another really solid kid that's a great puck-moving defenseman, a great skating defenseman. So he's got a little bit of offensive ability, and he's he'll be in the NHL here. He's been off and on this year, but he'll be a regular in the next year or so. So we're pretty deep when it comes to the defense side of things. And what about up front? Again, you, uh, on the Coachella Valley roster, I, I, I think Wright's the guy that everyone's wondering, okay, when is he going to be back up again? How can he take it to the next level? Where do you see the forwards, I guess, at the midpoint of the season here with Coachella Valley and how much they can help, I guess, moving forward in Seattle? Well, I think Seattle's pretty fortunate. we got a lot of depth down here. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got a guy like Shane who's tied for the leading goal scoring on our club right now. And he, I think he's got 13 goals along with Max McCormick. They both got 13. You've got John Hayden's starting to play really well right now. He's a big NHL size forward. Uh, you've got a guy like Cole Lind who's been up there for a little while. You've got Andrew Pardolarski down here mm-hmm. who's led the American League a couple of years in scoring. So we've got a lot of depth on the offensive side of things. Grant Fuhrer with us on Sports 1440, our Tuesday co-host from 9 to 11 on the Kevin Carey Show. Uh, did you get a chance over the holidays, Grant, to watch a little bit of the World Juniors? And if you did, what was your takeaway from it? I watched bits and pieces of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that surprised a little bit that Canada went out to the checks, but at the same not at the same time, not really. I mean, at the World Junior level, all the teams are pretty equal. And if you haven't got your A game, then... Pretty much any country can beat you. What did you make of the American team and winning and celebrating and things like that? Yeah, you know what? Your kids. Kids are going to celebrate. That's just the way it is. And I'd like to see the emotion in the game. 
it was a little over the top probably, but at the same time, I'm okay with that. I like seeing the emotion in the kids. Where do you see USA hockey right now? Grant, I mean, everyone's talking about, you know, the Americans maybe have a little bit of an edge over Canada in either junior. Well, obviously they do in junior right now, but moving forward, we're going to have hopefully a best on best in the next little while. Um, where do you see, I guess, the balance of power in uh, USA hockey right now? I think it's getting better and better. I mean, the object of USA hockey was to grow, and they've done a good job of that. And I, you look at Canada's roster, there's six or seven guys that are playing in the National Hockey League that could have played in that Canadian team. Yeah. I mean, Shane Wright was still eligible to play on that team, and he'd have probably been heads or tails better than anybody else in that tournament. So you look at if you could get the best players, I think Canada's still fine. The problem is some of the Canadian kids are in the National Hockey League, so it kind of depletes the lineup a little bit. Was there any talk of Shane Wright joining Team Canada that you heard of, Grant? No. Shane's having a phenomenal year for us right now, and he's getting better and better each week out. And It's what Seattle wants to see. He's becoming a leader of the hockey club here, and he's playing well every night. I mean, I think I... The last couple of years, that was kind of the knock as it was a little inconsistent, but he's been good every night for us this year. All right, the Edmonton Oilers off to a really good run right now. Winners of seven straight and kind of dug themselves out of the hole that they started the beginning of the year. What have you seen from the Oilers in the last little bit that has, you know, allowed them to kind of get out of that hole and take the step where everyone assumed that they were going to be at the start of the season, Grant? Well, you know, everybody has peaks and valleys. Edmonton just started with a valley and they've gotten better in their own end. They're getting some goal scoring now. I think Koff's made a big difference in the playmaking from the backside of things. And Stewart settled in a little bit. So that's a hockey club that's on the upside and they're getting better and better and there's still room for them to get better yet. What have you made of the play of Stewart Skern and Cal Pickard for that matter? Hey, you know what? They've both been good. And I still get a chuckle out of everybody that was down on Stewart at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Your second year, guess what? You're still finding yourself. He's added a family. There's a lot of different things that you have to get adjusted to, you have to get used to. And Stewart's got so much talent that it, it surprised me a little bit that the fans were so hard on him right out of the gate. But at the same time, he's got confidence in himself and he's played very well. And what about Cal Pickard as well? Cal's been great, too. I mean, I saw him when he played against us down here, and he was phenomenal. And he's been good up there as well. And he's made it hard on Edmonton because now they've got to make some choices. You've got Olivier Rodriguez, who's played great for Bakersfield here for the last month. So now you've got three guys that are playing well. Now you've got to try and make three guys happy in a system, and that's always a lot of fun. What have you seen from Rodriguez down there? Have you had the opportunity to kind of see him uh, a little bit more than other goaltenders? We've got a chance to see him twice now, and he's played very good against us. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I watched him, oh, what, a couple of weeks ago. They played, I believe it was Tucson, and he was really good. So he's he's been consistent. He's given him a chance to win every night. and He's a guy that he played behind Stewart down in Bakersfield. He played behind Calvin down in Bakersfield. Um, so he, he had to play behind Jack when Jack went down, and he stayed positive, and he just – has done his job. And uh, that's the biggest thing to me is that he's stayed positive through the whole thing. And I talked to Keith a little bit because Keith travels with the team. So I get a chance to talk to Keith a little bit and they're extremely happy with him. 
Grant Fuhrer with us on Sports 1440. Uh, in that same breath of conversation, uh, Fuhrer with Jack Campbell. I mean, he, he just can't seem to, I guess, get out of this rut, get out of this funk. I mean, uh, I, what do you say to a guy that needs to still find areas and find his game? You know what? He has some good games. It's the consistency side of it. Uh, and the one night he played against us, he wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. And he sat for a little while. He was supposed to play against us the next time they were in, but had the flu. So I mean, when he did get back in the net, he played very well. So it's that consistency thing. You want somebody to be good every night. You don't have to be great, but you have to be good. And I think Jack's just searching for that consistency. It was a busy night uh, last night in the U.S. with the uh, college football playoff grant with, between Washington and Michigan and was all Wolverines. Did you have a chance to have a peekaboo at that game? Actually, you know what? I didn't. I watched okay. the rewind of the golf. So <laughs> I was catching up on my golf. Yeah. So uh, Kirk had a big, big – that shot on 17, I was watching it live. Uh, I think that shot on 17 allowed him to birdie. Then he didn't have to make a – uh, birdie on 18, which is very birdie, birdieable hole at the century, of course, we're talking about. What did you like about the golf in Hawaii? And it, it's just good to have it back, I guess, more than anything. Yeah, it's the it's the first tournament of the year. You know it's a birdie fest. The golf course has got fairways that are 70 yards wide, so they're going to hit a lot of fairways. They're going to make a lot of birdies, and it's just fun to watch the first tournament of the year. You can see the guys knocking off a little bit of rust in the mm-hmm. first couple of rounds, but it looked like everybody had a pretty good winter where that rust wasn't there. I mean, you're shooting 29, 30 under. Pretty good chance that there's no rust. Yeah, you're you're shooting 65 on that course, Grant. Yeah, no, I'm not that long. That's the problem. <laughs> they they hit it miles. You know that on 18. What is it? About a 640 yard par five. But 670. Yeah, six. Holy cow! So and these guys were they're hitting irons. They're hitting irons into it. I know, but it's you know downhill off the tee shot and everything rolling in and. Oh, I was just going, this is crazy. They're hitting the ball 400 and some yards. Oh, yeah. Well, they're out here next week, so they'll get a good test when they're out here. The courses are in good shape. The weather's not going to be overly warm. So it, it'll be a little bit more of a test for them, but there's, it'll still be a birdie fest. Yeah. What The tournament next week, what is it? And then, is it close to you? Yeah, uh, the American Express. Okay. That's about 15 minutes from me. Would you go to? So, would you go watch a little bit or? Oh, yeah, I'll go wander around one day. Yeah. I mean, we've got games on the Friday and Saturday, but I'll probably sneak out on Thursday for a little bit, and then I'll go out and watch a little bit on Sunday. Uh, we're going to have uh, Tom Silverstein from the uh, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel to talk about your Green Bay Packers right after the break. you got to be pretty fired up about the Packers getting to the playoffs. Yeah, I'm not unhappy about that. I mean, they did a good job of battling to get in. When we come back, so more with Grant Fuhr and Tom Silverstein from uh, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. We'll talk uh, about the Green Bay Packers heading to Dallas to play the Cowboys on Wild Card Weekend. It's coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sport 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now to talk a little NFL football. Wild Card Weekend is uh, almost upon us. We've got... some serious, serious games coming up on the weekend. And one of those games is a big one in Dallas with the Dallas Cowboys taking on the Green Bay Packers. And here to talk about it and break it down, Tom Silverstein from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Tom, welcome to Sports 1440. You're with Kevin Carries and Hockey Hall of Famer Grant Fear. Thanks for hopping on today. Oh, you bet. It's a pleasure. 
Well, it's an interesting matchup, and I guess youth is being served all season long in Green Bay with such a young squad. Were you surprised at this stage of the season, uh, this this year, let me rephrase that, at this year that the Packers, with such a young, young squad, were able to, to make the playoffs? Yeah, you know, I kind of felt like uh, they had enough talent to make the playoffs at the start of the season. Uh, but I wasn't sure how the young guys would perform. And so that was kind of like the variable as to how far they would go. But, you know, they still have some a decent amount of veteran talent. And then it was kind of up to the quarterback and the wide receivers and tight ends and, and how would they develop. I did not see um, their rookie class becoming maybe one of the best they've had since the Lombardi era. I mean, at least for first-year production, it's been pretty phenomenal what they've gotten out of that class. I mean, we're talking 12, 12 of the 13 draft picks made the team, plus they've got three more guys that were undrafted free agents. And so uh, you know, you're talking 15 uh, guys, a quarter of the team is – rookies so it, it's been pretty um they, they wouldn't be here if those young guys hadn't come through for them. you know tom grant fear hockey hall of famer is a massive green bay packers fan one of the reasons why he's i heard that yeah so uh, grant <laughs> i'm gonna give you the floor believe me i followed grant's career yeah. I was, uh, uh, oh, cool a, a goalie many many years ago oh wow uh, <laughs> when well, i was 10 years old that's right? great uh, Grant, I'm sure you've got about a hundred questions for Tom, so you can fire away. Yeah, right, first one. Too. Would you say they've been better against the good teams in the league this year and beat some of the good teams and maybe not played as well against some of the lesser teams? Yeah, you know, what's been kind of interesting was that, you know, some of the mediocre quarterbacks that they faced just gashed them badly. You know, Tommy DeVito, and and I know he's like this media star in New York, but, you know, he turned out to be not as great as everyone thought he would be. Baker Mayfield, he had a perfect passer rating against them. Um, You know, like one of only two guys to ever have a perfect passer rating at Lambeau Field. And so, yeah, they, they did not play well defensively against some of the weaker teams. And then, you know, in the early going of the season, um, they just, they had no rhythm on offense. They were still trying to find themselves. And so even when the defense kind of played okay, they weren't winning games. And then all of a sudden the offense just kind of hit its stride at midseason. And it's been a little bit up and down because the defense is so unpredictable. But they managed... You know, they, they keep scoring, you know, 30, 30 points a game, and it's it's enough. You know, it's enough to win games. Now, you know, they go down to Dallas, they got to stop them somehow. You know, otherwise it's, it's just going to be over, you know, within the first five minutes. So uh, it's really about, you know, playing, like you said, playing well against the good teams. And they have played pretty decent against the good teams. Tom Silverstein, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, our guest on Sports 1440. Kevin Carey's Grand Fear with you on a 
Tuesday morning, 925 in Edmonton. So, Tom, how impressed and what has Jordan Love uh, shown you in this season? I mean, he's just, I mean, we've gone from quarterback to quarterback to quarterback in in in, in Green Bay, just three quarterbacks in a long, long time. And Jordan Love, he's putting up the same similar numbers as what Aaron Rodgers did early on in his career. What's impressed you the most about Jordan Love? Well, the one thing you notice first is his arm talent. He has um, tremendous arm talent. He can throw from all kinds of different angles, and he can throw off his back foot, which he does too much, but his arm strength is so good. He throws such a tight spiral. He's, he can be extremely accurate, um, especially when his fundamentals are, are good. And uh, that's, that's what impresses you. The other thing that impresses you is his just calmness. He doesn't really get rattled by anything. He doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low. You know, you watch him, and he's, he's a cool customer, and I think that serves him really well. And then he's, he's learning – um, you know, the offense, and, and uh, he's a smart guy. And I think, you know, he played in a college system that was nothing like the NFL. Mm-hmm. And so it's taken him some time to just get the reactions and the reads, and he, he's smart enough for it. He just needed some playing time. And now he's finally gotten it, and you can just see him going upwards. Now, what happens next year? I don't know. You know, he's got to clean up some things with his footwork. Um, you know, teams are going to study him during the off season, and they're going to try to figure out how to rattle him. Um, so it'll be interesting next year because you know, if you go back, you know, Brett Favre when he first came in, first year, pretty good. Second year, um, took a you know, a dive, mm-hmm. you know, start throwing all these interceptions and he had to keep working on stuff. And so we'll see whether love takes off like Rogers did, or if he has a little bump in the road, like Barb did. Grant. Uh, so going into the weekend, are they healthy? I, with Aaron Jones being a little banged up sometimes, Romeo Dobbs coming out of last weekend, will they be healthy going into Sunday? I think so. I, I don't think other than Dobbs, who is, they say, day-to-day, and I think that just means they'll, they'll find out on Friday after he, you know, they may try to practice him once during the week. They'll probably give him the week to kind of rest. Um, other than him, they didn't really suffer any big injuries. Aaron Jones is healthy, and that's made all the difference in the world for them. Um, and will make a huge difference in Dallas. I mean, if he's if if he's ready to go and healthy and and running like he has been the last two games, then they have a chance. Um, you know, Christian Watson is remains a big question mark. You know, they've kind of just figured they're not going to have him. But at some point, um, you know, they they will decide whether it's worth putting him on the field and risking. You know, him worsening this hamstring injury that's, you know, going to be, they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have to figure out what's going on with that during the offseason. So I don't know if he'll play, but, um, you know, Luke Musgrave came back from the lacerated kidney last week, played nine snaps, 
and I suspect that they'll expand his role this week. Um, you know, Jaden Reed seems to be okay. Dontavian Wicks definitely was over his injury. Uh, I think they're in pretty good shape. It's funny how all of these receivers have just taken it to a, another level as we're uh, speaking with Tom Silverstein from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Uh, Tom, it has to be amazing just to see all the young guys, and I mean, there's so much youth at receiver. You mentioned all their names, even Bo Melton as well, how much that they have taken their game to another level and not even look like rookies, to be honest with you. They've looked like they've been in the league a little more than just a few games. Well, it's funny, um, you, you mentioned that because I'm actually writing a column about that for tomorrow. And uh, the Packers have a history of landing wide receivers outside the first round um, of developing these guys. And they have some standards that they have for these wide receivers when they're evaluating them. And they've just through even dating back to the 90s with Ron Wolf, um, then going through with Ted Thompson, you think about all the wide receivers they got that weren't first rounders, you know, Robert Brooks and Antonio Freeman. And then um, you start to see uh, Greg Jennings and James Jones, you know, and it just Jordy Nelson and Donald Driver. And they just do a really good job of evaluating wide receivers. And this year, they, it's just been phenomenal what they've done with those guys because, you know, I mean, Reed is a second-round pick. That's that's fairly high, but, you know, he's been one of the best rookie wide receivers in the league. Um, Dontavian Wicks, you know, is a fourth-round pick. Uh, Bo Melton was a seventh-round pick last year. Hmm. Um you know, they they have these guys. Romeo Dobbs was a fourth round pick. They they've done really well in the middle rounds. Uh, you know what? We uh, when you were talking about your goaltending in your youth, we got to touch on that. I mean, I'm sure you and I'm sure you've got a question for Grant as well, Tom. But how, what what got you? Why did you want to be a goalie? Where was it? And how old were you? And just kind of touch on that uh, part of your youth. You know what's really funny is I so I believe we came my parents and I um we took a trip to Toronto and we went and saw the hockey hall of fame and I had gotten into hockey through a friend um and I became a huge Montreal Canadiens fan and um like you know I'm old enough that Ken Dryden was sort of my uh the guy that I followed the most you know and um I just wanted to be a goalie and I was terrible. <laughs> so I only lasted playing hockey like about three years. Of, um, but it was so much fun and um, I have great memories of it. And, I, you know, I followed the NHL for a long time. I haven't been able to really keep up as much as I would like to. Um, but I always was uh, interested in goaltending. And then I covered the University of Wisconsin for five years and you know during their heyday and so I got to cover some goalies like Mike Richter and Curtis Joseph and some guys like that um and got to see you know I've always just kind of been an aficionado of goaltending uh do you have a question for Grant you might want to relay Tom (laughs) I I actually to me uh, and it's more of a comment and he can comment on it too but I think uh goalies are the 
most mentally tough people in the world because I, I, I don't know how you can, um, you know, play up to play. You're the, you're, you're the safety. You're the last, <laughs> you know, bit of defense. And it's a tough job. I just, I just know it's a tough job. So that, that would be my comment and, and question on that, you know, how you got so mentally tough. You know, we don't have a choice. We get to make a difference, good or bad, every night. So that that's the fun part of the job. You guys actually have a really good goalie in Milwaukee, in Ashcroft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. He, he's yep. going to be a good one. A good, they've had a pretty good pipeline to the Predators here. Um, the, the, they have a, like a really kind of low cult following here. Um, so it's kind of fun, you know. We get to I try to get to a, you know, a couple games a year, and uh, it is fun. Yeah. When when did you start covering uh, the Badgers, Tom? So I went to school in Madison. Um, I started there in 1980, and I started covering UW athletics as soon as I graduated. I was lucky enough to land a job with the Milwaukee Sentinel at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I covered football, basketball, hockey, um, everything. And it was, I covered that for five years. And then I moved on to the Packers at 1989. And I've been covering them ever since. And uh, I think we sort of touched on it, like Grant's good friends with Red Batty. And that's kind of how he got. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I see Red every day, yeah. I'll have to tell him that I Red used to work our training camps. Oh, did he really? He loved hockey. I oh, yeah. So I've known Red since I was about 20. Is that right? Wow. He'll be uh, he'll be thrilled to hear I was on your show. Well, you know what, uh, Tom? I actually texted Red about two months ago. We had the equipment managers that uh, Grant's talking about, uh, Sparky Kolchitsky and uh, Barry Stafford, plus Dwayne Mandruzic, who's been here, was here forever for 50 years with the uh, football team here. And the three of them ha- are obviously have a strong relationship with Red. And I wanted to get Red on the show. The three of them came in the studio. Wanted to get Red on the show, but they played uh, They played the night before. I can't even remember where, but Red said, well, I'm unloading three semi-trailers. I don't have time, he said. <laughs> <laughs> Red is on the move. 24 7 oh, yeah. he never stops oh, yeah he, he's a great guy for people who don't know he's the equipment manager for the packers and has been for 30 years he came on uh, a couple years after i started covering the team and just transformed everything there um they they have a pretty first class operation going and and there's no ever a piece of paper on the ground or garbage <laughs> or anything anywhere it's just they don't allow it so oh. it's pretty um pretty amazing well tom really appreciate your time uh, enjoy the coverage this week looking forward to the ar- article on the uh, young receivers and Cl- romeo dobbs i think he did touched on him is he going to be okay I think I, I think so, but I do think it's one of those things where um, you know they're going to have to just wait and see how he responds. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not exactly sure what happened, but it was a chest injury, and some people said he was spitting up some blood. And I know they took him to the hospital to have him checked out, but he came right back. So I think it's kind of a um, you know 
he's truly a 50-50. We'll see. We'll know more tomorrow when they practice for the first time. Well, really appreciate your time this morning, Tom. Thanks for uh, hopping on Sports 1440. And again, we'll look forward to that article on the receivers and enjoy covering the game uh, this weekend in Dallas. Thanks for your time today. Well, thank you, guys. Uh, I'm available anytime you want. Perfect. It was was fun talking to you. That's Tom Silverstein, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Never thought you'd be talking to an old goalie this morning, Grant. I didn't didn't see that in the lineup, did you? (laughs) No, I didn't see that one coming, but... Always good to talk to somebody that covers the Packers. Yeah, and you know, I mean, you look at him, as he said, you know, he went to the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto, and it's funny how something like that can leave an impression on you, and you see, you know, all the old players, and he, as he said, he would have went there as a young young kid in, in Toronto, and then he ends up playing goal for a couple of years, and, and uh, as an old writer, he sees how tough it is for you. We've got a couple texts in here to one 401 1440 Tiger says the toughest position in all of sports is Stanley Cup playoff goalie, and I think uh, that's not, uh, it's an, that's easy to see that that is very close to being a uh, uh, the truth because it is very very tough to play uh, in the NHL and it's tougher to play in the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, when we come back uh, we will go are you in or are you out with Grant Fuhr some great questions that the Duke of Delburn's uh, put forth so that's coming up right after the break on the Kevin Carey show on Sports 1440 stay with us pleased to meet you Duke oh yeah really rocking it out this morning Bring in Donovan and the intern, and he starts tweaking the playlist on a Tuesday morning. With uh, Grant Fear, the Hockey Hall of Famer, and the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Time now, I guess, for Are You In or Are You Out? Uh, we haven't done a whole bunch of them with Grant, but we're going to uh, whip this off. Uh, the Duke has put together five solid points. So, let's go. Are you in or are you out? We had some great times. We're about to have some more. I know that look. I'm putting together a team. Then I'm in. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Are you in or are you out? On Sports 1440. I'm out. Lots of hot button issues across the world of sports with the national championship wrapping up, NFL playoffs around the corner, and of course the Edmonton Oilers getting back in action amidst a busy night in the NHL. Starting off with the uh, cutter Goche trade last night after what we've seen from not only Adam Fox, but uh, now cutter Goche, a few other players. I'm saying NHL teams will return to a preference towards major junior players over NCAA guys come drafting. Mm, well, I'll go first on this one, Grant. I'm out on this. I don't think NHL teams will focus on major junior players. I think you're still going to be drafting the best player available or the best player that is a, a fit for your franchise. The other aspect here is that when teams do draft uh, United States development players, because a lot of these players are drafted before they even get to the college, it's a place where they can not necessarily hide the player, but it's a place where they can develop the player where they don't have to sign him immediately. They have the option to, uh, you know, kind of let him percolate in a college team in the United States. So I think a lot of NHL execs like that 
aspect because they have the ability not to rush a player. They can say, yeah, just stay down there another year or whatever it may be. If you're ready, we can look at it in that sense. But uh, So I'm going to go. I'm out seeing NHL teams returning to a major junior preference come draft day. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that one, Kevin. I'm out on that as well. I think teams are going to take the best player available, whether depending on where it is in the world, whether it be college, whether it be junior, you still want the best available talent. And I'm pretty sure that that's how the National Hockey League general managers are going to lean. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Russia too, Grant? I mean, you're, we've just thrown that variable out there because we have seen that in the past where teams kind of did shy away from Russia too. Well, I think they're still in that boat where they're going to shy away a little bit. I mean, I'm not sure what the agreement is, but you're seeing a lot of the Russian kids being shipped to the KHL. My guess is that Russia wants to keep them at home. Mm -hmm. So they're going to make it a little more difficult for the kids to come over. And they have interesting ways of doing that over there, whether it be army service or whatever. So I think they're still going to shy away from them a little bit. Hmm. Yeah. Good points. Good points. Matthew Mitchkov, you know, not going to be in the NHL for a number of years that was considered arguably the second best player in this past draft uh, behind Connor Bedard, but slides to, uh, you know, a little bit more in the middle of the top 10 as a result of not being immediately available because of his uh, KHL mm-hmm. commitments. So uh, steering our attention a little closer to home, the Edmonton Oilers, they start a road trip tonight in Chicago, three straight on the road before returning home. Uh, by the time they get back to Rogers place at the end of this uh, weekend, they will be third place in the Pacific division. I'll let you put the hammer down on this first, Fierzy. I like it. I'm going in on that. They're playing pretty good hockey right now. You're starting off against a wounded Blackhawks team that they should beat. So, yeah, I'm I'm going to go with they're going to be in third place. I'm going to disagree with you, Fierzy. I'm going to go I'm out on this one only because that means the Kings would not be able to garner a single point. The L.A. plays in Tampa tonight. L.A. plays way better on the road. The Oilers still would have to win all three of their games. I think they could win all three of these games on the road trip. We did discuss that uh, last week. If that happens, they'd be 10 wins in a row. Never happened in franchise history. But I'm going to go they're going to be close to third in the Pacific, but not quite just because I think L.A. will figure out a way to get a point here or something like that. Yeah, the Kings play uh, on the road this week uh, each of the same nights as the Oilers uh, Tuesday, tonight in Tampa, Thursday in Florida, and then Saturday against the Red Wings. So as uh, like you said, Kevin, as assuming the Kings pick up zero lose. points yeah. out of those four, then the Oilers do have a, uh, a window, a road to getting back into the top three of the Pacific Division. Uh, Draymond Green having his uh, what was an indefinite suspension lifted by the NBA will uh, be getting back into action here and getting back up to speed. But unfortunately, uh, despite his counseling and everything else that apparently he's gone through to remedy some of his issues, I'm saying he will not finish out this NBA season before being suspended again. Oh, I mean, between between Morant and Green, you just got you just keep poking the bear with these two guys, don't you, Duke? Well, I mean, hey, if, if they if they put themselves in situations, how can we not poke? Oh, I'm going to say he will not. I'm going to be, I'm in on this. He will not finish the NBA season without getting suspended again. Not sure what it's going to be for. It could be something even off court. It could be on court. It could be anything. But I mean, the history's there. We still got what, 45 games left? It's a long road. I think he, I'm going to go, I'm in on this. I I just assume that there's another one in the works for Draymond Green. And having said that, if there is another suspension, whatever it may be, it could be probably lengthy because of past history. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> like, like I think he could do something s- pretty minor and he might get just another like one or two game suspension even for something that for anybody else 
wouldn't even be considered. Like, I, I think it could boil down to something mm. that small. I'm not sure he'll have another huge outburst and trying to rip somebody's head off again or something, <laughs> but I, I don't know. Like, it's like you said, the history speaks for itself. And uh, Draymond, heck of a basketball player, uh, not so much a nice guy on or maybe mm. off the court either. Grant? Yeah, I got to agree. You got 45 games left. The games are going to get more heated as you get closer to playoff time. So I give it about a 10% chance that he makes it through the season without having another vacation. <laughs> non-paid vacation, though, I think, right? Suspensions, you're, uh, you're, you're non-paid on those it's games. It's a nice donation to somebody's charity. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, national championship game last night. Uh, we've talked about it a bit already this morning. Michigan having its way with Washington for the most part throughout the evening. J.J. McCarthy, not an overwhelming stat line. Uh, no touchdowns thrown. Uh, yardage not too high either, but uh, a couple clutch plays when it mattered most to keep the Wolverines on top. I'm saying with this play last night, combined with what we saw from Michael Penix, almost on the underwhelming side, uh, J.J. McCarthy has elevated himself to being the third quarterback off the draft board this spring. Uh, you know what? I, I don't see this happening, Duke. I'm going to be out on this. I don't see him being the fourth. So you're saying he's going to be third, and you're you're saying that it's going to be Caleb Williams first? Yes. Okay, and then are you saying it's going to be... Drake May. Drake May. And then I think J.J. McCarthy will go uh, probably in the top ten. You don't think Jaden Daniels is ahead of uh, J.J. McCarthy right now? I, cause I think Jaden Daniel has to be more of a fit. Okay. I think J.J. McCarthy is a guy that you can probably plug and play anywhere. Uh, Jane Daniels with his dual threat ability, the the running style, like it'll have to be the right fit for a coordinator, head coach, GM to to want to bring him into the fold, and the system has to fit him a little bit better. JJ McCarthy, I think, is more of a plug and play quarterback. So I'm going to be out. I'm still out on this. I think uh, JJ McCarthy. I, I just don't see enough from him. Uh, I could see. I, I could see him being the fourth or even fifth even, even the fifth still. So I'm out on this. Uh, I don't think he, even with his performance, again, we talked about being a game manager as much as people hate that phrase in pro football. Uh, he did that last night. He didn't turn the ball over. He, you know, he was good in the sense that he rushed the ball a few times in critical situations, but I just don't see him being off the board uh, three or less. Uh, so I'm out on this one that following last night's national championship game, J.J. McCarthy elevated himself to being the third quarterback off the draft board this spring. I am out. Yeah, I have to agree. I think too many guys ahead of him that can run and pass. And you're looking at some of the offenses that teams are building now. They need quarterbacks that can do both. So fourth, maybe even fifth quarterback pick in the draft, in my opinion. Yeah, I'll be honest. I, I still think uh, if I was, a, I still think Penix is number three on my QB tiering okay. system. But I think him and Daniels are close. Daniels obviously more of a threat as a runner. But like when you watch Michael Penix throw the ball, even on the incomplete passes, it's like a work of art. He, he throws a beautiful, beautiful ball. And we talked about that with the Warren Moon a little bit yesterday as well. Final one for you guys. Dave Matthews turns 57 <laughs> years old today. Uh, Dave Matthews band, I think over the course of uh, time was a generation earlier version of Nickelback. And I know Grant's a big Nickelback fan, so I hope he can come to the defense of uh, DMB here as well. I think they get unfairly chastised in the grand scheme of pop culture, uh, much like Nickelback does uh, or did at least through the 2000s and 2010s. You can go first, Fierzy. I'm sure if you want to compare to Nickelback, I'll let you go and uh, have your opinion off the hop here. I actually like the Dave Matthews band. So yeah. I, 
I'm fully on their side. I mean, I, I enjoy their music. They put on a good performance live. So yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. So it's funny that the Oilers are in Chicago tonight <laughs> because 20 years ago, there was a little incident with the Dave Matthews band in Chicago. Did you know that Duke? Uh, like 20 years ago, exactly. I don't think 20 years ago exactly, but pretty darn near okay. 20 years. I think it might be in the summer of sure. 04. I believe there was uh, a little incident with the Dave Matthews bus in Chicago where they dumped about... Oh, into the river. About 1,000 pounds of human waste <laughs> into the Chicago <laughs> River. And since then, I don't think Dave Matthews is welcome too much in Chicago. Well, maybe not, I guess. But uh, but hey, still got bangers. <laughs> So I, I don't know. I, I don't even, if you ha, if you played 10 Dave Matthews songs, I'm not sure I could get probably, I would probably say are these the, the Jonas Brothers yeah. again. <laughs> I'm sorry to say. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not up, up to snuff on, on the Dave Matthews band, unfortunately. Yeah. I just think people love to so, hate, people love to hate on them. Like people love to hate Nickelback. It's like, it's like an, mm-hmm. it's like a, in a trendy thing to hate them. Even though, like their like Grant said, I think their music's quite good. And by all accounts, uh, I uh, Grant, I assume you have actually seen them live. Like they put yeah, on you, one Grant? of the best live shows that you can see. Have you, Fursey, seen them live? I have. Okay, and they do put on a good show. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to agree with so. you, Fursey. So I'll just say, so, yeah, <laughs> they were just unfairly chastised, except for the the dreaded incident of the the waste disposal in the Chicago River or wherever it was in yeah, Chicago. Yeah, that, that was warranted. Twenty I'll years ago, people yeah, got mad about might, that. Might on you for that. Oh, yeah. Hand, hands up if you did mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that's bad. Bad going. Oh, uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, some good uh, subjects to talk about. Some good answers and good uh, point counterpoint. Uh, are we going to have uh, Arda Ocal? We are, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, Fiers, you're going to have another guest uh, with us. Arda Ocal from ESPN covers the NHL, covers uh, a lot of other things. So we're going to guest with him at 10 o'clock. And then at 10.20, Troy Murray, Blackhawks analyst. He's been on a couple of times. You would, uh, How many years would you have played against him? Oh, Seven, St. Albert eight, Saint. Yes, St. Albert Saint. We actually talked about that a long time, uh, uh, a couple, couple weeks ago, I guess, when we had him on last so you would have, uh, he's what, a year a year older than you, I think? Uh, Troy would be probably a year older than I am. Yeah, something like that. So you would, would you have remembered him, like, you know, even in minor hockey days and things like that? Or I think we, we may have played together with the Saints for part of a year. Oh, well, we're going to find that out at 1020. Uh, all before that, time now for a Sports 1440 update. Here is the Duke.